This is Behind the Benchmark, a bonus episode series where we try to answer questions and explore topics inspired by benchmark data. In this bonus episode of Behind the Benchmark, we're going to be talking about a topic that I've been calling impression-based LinkedIn ads or treating LinkedIn ads like a digital billboard. And this is something we have written a corresponding ad to. And basically, it's the idea of running a campaign with the sole intent of generating brand awareness or demand generation or demand creation, depending on what you call it. So basically a campaign where you target your ICP really specifically. So maybe you're uploading a really hyper-targeted list of the people that you want to get your messaging out in front of, or you know, you use LinkedIn's native uh, ad targeting to like really hone in on the right job titles, the right firmographic fits and everything, you know, company size, revenue size, whatever. Um, and then you run a campaign that is optimized for impressions versus direct actions like clicks or conversions. And the idea is to get your messaging out there, whether you're first introducing people to your product, um, you know, or you want to like communicate your unique point of view and, you know, or your, what your company believes is the right way to solve the problem or who you're for, or it could be like case studies of recognizable customers that you've served. And the idea being that you're just going to get your message out there. And over time, the idea would be that you would see an increase in direct visits or an uptick in branded search. And then, you know, in the number of times people type your company name into Google after three, six months, whatever it is, because when people decide that it's time for them to purchase a solution, you're the one that's top of mind. You're the one who they've been seeing. And maybe you are able to skip the short list a little bit of competitors or avoid the sort of like Google search uh, comparison. And I'm specifically positioning this ad type against a commonly understood one where you get your user to take direct action, right? So a lot of people think about treat LinkedIn ads like they would Google ads where, hey, I want them to click direct to my site and then book a demo or a sign up. And for some backstory about where this topic came up, uh, when we dug into our benchmarks data, and I've linked it in the show notes in case you want to check that out in, in raw form, um, it's clear to me why that might not work, why going for direct conversions might not work. At least, and I'm not talking about retargeting specifically, but for the first time, someone's you know being hit with your ads. First of all, it looks expensive. Uh, our benchmarks data reports that the average cost per click is four dollars and seventy three cents. And to me, coming from a marketing background, it's kind of a no or low intent platform. Um, and so, in other words, people are not there with high intent like they are Google ads. They're not actively looking, at least not that you can know for sure to browse and select and test out a product to solve a specific pain. They may not you know, be in market at all or aware of your category or feeling the pain that you solve. And so it's gonna take a lot of work for the algorithm to get in front of the right people, get them to click. And at that many clicks at whatever your conversion rates are, I can see why that's not a really justifiable spend for a lot of people. But it seems like everyone could benefit from impression-based ads or these billboard ads where the median CPM, you know, a thousand impressions, uh, according to our benchmark data is $40 and 39 cents. So if my math is right, you could drive a little over 24,000 impressions for just one K a month. So for about 12 K a year, you could reach almost 300,000, uh, impressions. And 
what's crazy to me when I, when I do that math is that a lot of brands pay significantly more than that um, for a social media manager or a content writer and all these things, but yet they won't invest in LinkedIn's spend. So I am curious, I've got, this is a broad topic. I've got a lot of questions. So to discuss this, I wanted to bring on JD Garcia on the show. Uh, JD, can you sort of introduce yourself, um, your sort of your expertise with LinkedIn ads, um, your background a little bit more, uh, for listeners who are, who are just tuning in? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Love to. Uh, so I'm JD, I'm the head of strategy at Impactable, which is a LinkedIn ads agency. Uh, we only play in the LinkedIn space, which means I spend a good portion of my day inside of Campaign Manager. Uh, so because of our, our size and kind of breakout, I tend to work with our higher spend clients, so 30, 50, 100K plus per month in ad spend, um, and help them kind of define their strategies, optimize their campaigns, and navigate the uh, pitfalls that are uh, in LinkedIn. As you know, LinkedIn can be a little bit expensive, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Um, so yeah. Um, little bit about me. Awesome. And where can people, I mean, LinkedIn, obviously it looks like you're sharing a lot of content. So people should follow you on LinkedIn and then where, if they, if they get to the end of this episode and they think, okay, this person's smart, where can they go hire you? Yeah. Uh, just shoot me a message on LinkedIn. So my DMS are open. Um, I'm also an open book too. So, um, sometimes people think they want to run LinkedIn ads, but they really shouldn't, um, at least not yet. Um, so if you have questions or you think, you know, this might be something that would be a good channel for you, just shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Happy to have a short chat and see if there's a scope for more. Awesome. Okay, cool. So let's start here. Um, you know, we'll, we'll keep these for, for regular listeners. You know, the interviews can, can get lengthy. They're on a lot of, you know, philosophy, framework, strategies, things like that. We're going to try and keep this, you know, to a concise, tight 20 to 30 minutes and make it really practical for you. But I want to start with a broader question, which is, um, Assuming my, you know, the, the the benchmarks are moderately accurate, right? For B two B, why don't more brands consider doing this? Like that, that was my first thing when I looked at was like, you know, man, for like the fraction of a full time salary, it seems like most companies could invest in getting the right message out to the right demographic. Now, how long that takes, the efficacy of it, like this, all the stuff we're going to get into in a minute. But why do you think more brands don't consider this and will be, you know, will happily spend? you know, hundred K for one or two positions of, of all kinds of other content positions, but then won't pay to like, get that message out to the right person. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so kind of, kind of two parts of this one, I, I think that there's a little bit of short-sightedness in terms of like, what, how many calories am I going to burn today versus like what it's going to produce for me in, in the near term. Um, and I don't, I don't think that there's a lot of that kind of mindset of I need to kind of plan for, you know, six months from now or a year from now, or start kind of making these investments or doing these um, exercises to help position me well. It's how can I fill my pipeline this month, this quarter? Um, so that really doesn't fall in line with that. Um, two, it's maybe kind of the same reason why people will spend 10K a month on LinkedIn ads, but then won't optimize the landing page that people are going towards, which would help quite a bit just take, take even a fraction of that and get a, you know, one or 2% lift on your uh, conversion rate. Uh, so the answer, I'm, I'm not sure, but I suspect it has to do with um, just, there's not maybe an immediate result or attributable result that comes from that. I know from like the, you know, the LinkedIn post I did where obviously we interacted and um, a few others weighed in, it seemed like a common response. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this kind of tying back to what you just said is 
do you think it's an expectations thing? Like by, by nature of putting money into this thing called an ads platform where it spits out all these neat little numbers for you at the end, like, oh, this is how much I paid for a thousand impressions per click, per conversion. Do you think that people default to like almost a Google search ads expectation mindset of like put in, get out, and all of that should be measurable in a short time frame. Whereas when it comes to making like a content hire, they don't have any expectations on art. Maybe a lot of them aren't thinking about ROI to the business or like pipeline that they're driving. They just think, well, we need to do content marketing. We need a human to do that. Whereas LinkedIn ads, maybe it's like an expectations thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. I mean, it's it's LinkedIn ads, right? You expect to spend money and to have some type of um, return from that. They don't think about it like a billboard that I'm going to just post up and create kind of a awareness for. Some some companies do, or some companies will have a portion of their budget that they allocate specifically towards kind of brand awareness. But it's not run in a way that you're talking about, where it's very strategic. There's this really defined ICP that they're focused on, and they want to have you know, basically it's kind of saturate them with content over a longer period of time. Usually when I see brand awareness done, it's to this large, you know, 300,000 person, um, person audience. But yeah, I, I would say it's, it's in terms of expectations and what people think LinkedIn ads are supposed to be. You think lead generation and anytime I audit an account and I take it over where someone says, Hey, can you take a look and see what we've been doing? You know, eight times out of 10, they're really heavy on lead gem forms or on website conversion campaigns, because that's what you think about when you run ads on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense why there would be, need to be like a certain, you know, um, I guess, philosophical alignment or belief in running this type of ad. Like, it, and it comes with its own attribution model, right? Like I, you know, I know some people are sick of like the fan, you know, marketers uh, putting fancy names to really basic stuff, like just yeah. asking how people heard about you, but um, but it seems like asking that simple question would really help people get at how these type of ads are working. Um, all right. So, so if that's the case, you know, in reference to this, cause I know I'm, I know you run ad types of all different campaigns and I, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not saying like anyone is bad or, you know, worse or whatever, but specifically in terms of thinking about it as this impression based ad campaign or billboard based ad campaign done the best way possible, the most strategic way possible. Do you have general guidance on who should or shouldn't consider it? Uh, are there qualitative or quantitative markers for who would stand to see a good ROI from it and who might not kind of as, as I laid out. So yeah. I'm thinking like revenue size, product yep. market fit, like what components need to be there? Yeah, it needs to be worth the exercise. So what'll happen? Let, let's say you have a really tiny list and you build out your list. You're doing a company list or maybe you have HubSpot and you're doing a sync and you have these kind of target accounts that you're going after. Maybe it's a thousand companies. And when you add in all the personas, maybe it's 5,000 you know, total prospects. You're going to need to refresh, depending on what budget you're putting behind this, you're going to need to refresh that content maybe monthly or bi-weekly, depending on what that ad frequency is like. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to show someone the same asset over and over and over again. They're going to stop seeing it. They're going to get annoyed. It's just, it's going to lose its effectiveness. So you'll need a content refresh cycle. You'll need to have new content that's coming through. You'll need to draw insights and just see kind of what engagement look like. Even if you're doing it impression-based, so let's say you're running it as a brand awareness campaign, LinkedIn is going to tell you a CTR and that CTR is going to be based on everything from a click to if someone breathed on it too hard. 
like everything gets counted towards that CTR. But if you run it as, let's say, a website visit campaign, it's only going to count a website or clicks to the landing page as the actual uh, component that's calculating CTR. So you don't have like an apples to apples comparison, but you're, you're going to need to refresh that content and it's going to be a little bit of a lift. So if you're doing that, then the juice needs to be worth the squeeze. Like you, you need to be selling something that has a significant, you know, dollar amount that's tied to it. Um, I wouldn't do this if maybe I had a lower ticket item where my audience size was pretty massive. Cause in, in that case, you're not really going to saturate that audience. Now it's arbitrary because it's like, well, what is, what is the right audience size? It depends who you're targeting. If you're targeting surgeons, you know, you probably want an audience size that's maybe 10 or 20 K. Why? Cause they're not going to be super active on LinkedIn. If I'm targeting HR managers or if I'm targeting you know, startups or people in marketing, the audience size can be smaller because more of those people are going to be logged into LinkedIn each day. So it, it, it depends. But the thing that you need to kind of figure out is, am I selling something that's going to be worth it if I run this for an entire year and maybe I get one deal from it or I get, you know, maybe two deals from it? Is that going to justify the um, cost? Hey, just a quick interruption. In past episodes, you've heard guests give advice like, the first step is just like actually measuring and monitoring, right? Which sounds very fundamental, but a lot of companies don't even do that, right? If you ask for like, hey, do you have a monthly kind of report of like what's happening in the funnel? It's like, oh, well, we have this over here and we have this over here and we have the traffic data and GA. So the first thing I think is like build out, you know, a presentation uh, that you're updating every single month. Or it's way easier if you have all this stuff being centralized somewhere and can look at it. And I promise that's completely unprompted. We try to book smart B2B leaders and learn how they're driving more predictable growth, and they end up sharing advice like that. And Databox makes it easy to do all of that and more. You can track your marketing, sales, revenue, and CS performance all in one place. It lets you build custom dashboards and view metrics from over 80 tools side by side. You can schedule PDF reports that automatically update your data in real time and send to your team or your clients. You can even set up custom Slack alerts that alert you when you hit your goals or when numbers spike or dip. If you want to try it totally free, just go to databox.com or click the link in the show notes. Okay, back to the episode. Now, when you say that, when, so let's go back to something you, you flagged there was the, um, you know, the average revenue per customer, average order value or whatever you want to call it. Right. So like, like, like let's take data box as an example. Okay. So let's say uh, $200 a month or, or so, right. On, on average um, for someone setting up or $150 a month for a paid plan in like a, in like a mid tier. Um, if we were measuring attribution our own way, like self-reported attribution, do you think we would still, we would see significantly more than one or two like conversions at the end of that? Or like when you say oh, yeah. it needs to be a high enough dollar volume where the juice is worth the squeeze. Do you mean like specifically, like you may, you may get to the end of six months and only see one to two, like direct attributable conversions through LinkedIn's ad zone reporting, but the ad may have had greater effects than that, that you just aren't tracking. Yeah. You're never going to see the full effects from it. And, you know, thank God for software that's coming out that allows you to kind of see more of these touches. Um, because like as a marketer, like I, I know, I know that what LinkedIn is telling me and maybe what HubSpot is attributing, I, I know there's things that are being missed 
And a good way to like to, to kind of see this is if you're running like an event or you're going to be like at a show or something, if you run your ads before that event and you're at the booth, people will come up and be like, oh, I've been seeing you guys on LinkedIn. And where was that on your marketing? Like, where was that in your report? You, you, you didn't get it because it was happening, but you didn't really have a good way to track it. So, so for you, if it's a lower barrier to entry and it's easier and you can get a significant amount out of the group, then sure, it can be worth it if it's a subscription model. Um, I guess I'm, I'm, there's different ways where this could make sense. If you're selling something that um, really solves a need in the market um, and you get pretty great conversions from it, it doesn't have to be a high ticket offer. But if you're in a saturated market, like let's say you're an agency, good luck doing that. Like it, it's mm. going to be, it's going to be a challenge for you. Um, yeah, I'll stop right do there. You, do you feel like there's also, is there something with like size or stage of the company of maturity and an ability to communicate their, their message? So like another thing, it seems to me is if you don't really have like proven messaging or like you're still kind of feeling out maybe who the best fit mm -hmm. customers are for you and things like that. It'd be a little bit tricky. Is that, is that something that you see? Cause you're talking about like refreshing creative and I'm just thinking that, that kind of like presupposes that you've got a number of messages on hand ready to go. Right. Yep. And you can speak to those pain points and you would have things at the ready. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like the readiness that you would have to have if someone's listening to this and they're like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go try this idea, you know, for, yep. for a thousand bucks a month, you know, let's give it a try. What do they need to be prepared for? Um, like in, with the messages that they're, that they're refreshing, are these just like very, very like, here's the pain we solve for you. And you're coming up with 12 different ways to say that across a year, or is some of it, here's the pain we solve. Some of it is here's the customers we do it for. Do they look like you? Some of it is like use case or like, here's the, uh, you know, uh, case study style, right? Like we drove this amount of growth for a company that looks just like you. Like what are these things that you're refreshing it to in your opinion for an impression-based campaign? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a few things you're trying to accomplish. So to answer your question about the content, like, yeah, you should know exactly who you want to target. And that's the way this works is you have a really defined audience and you know that you solve a very real challenge that's worth solving for that audience. And then you can kind of, you know, put those two together and, and start, start your work. But there's a, there's a few things you're trying to accomplish um, throughout this process and, and you'll use content to do it. You, if they don't know who you are, you're trying to establish trust with them. Why should we trust you? Like that can come as um, social proof. So, you know, customer journeys that can come as testimonials that can come from third party validation. You won an award or you had a partnership or something, but there are these little pieces that are sprinkling in that help establish your credibility. The other parts of that is um, the actual problem that you're solving for. So some people aren't aware of problem. So problem uh, unaware, others are, but it's not as high of a priority for them or they're aware of it, but they see that maybe it's too much of a lift for them to do. And you have to try to explain that, hey, it's actually um, not. So you're kind of surfacing some of these things or you're trying to clarify some of the problems or some of the solutions. And that's more kind of at a high level. Um, and then you dig into different use cases. So for the personas that you have in there, how does this help this person specifically? And then there's a little bit of education that'll go into that. And then that, that means you actually understand what you're solving for 
Um, you have um, industry expertise. So like for us, you know, and, and we do this organically and we do this with our paid content, like we give away our knowledge and we talk through exact things or strategies that we're leveraging. And it's not something that you could really outsource in my opinion. Like we, I couldn't hire a content writer to come in and share a great LinkedIn strategy. It's just something that we've done and kind of tested, you know, ourselves, but it's that content that you would want prospects to see before a sales call. So I guess maybe I should have said that as a preference to this. So if you're a sales rep, you think of like about this, like a sales rep, what are the 10 pieces of content you would love a prospect to see before they show up to a call? Hmm. That's the stuff you should run. Okay. Okay. Super helpful. Um, my other question is, you know, my, my, like one of my core assumptions with exploring this topic and looking at the benchmark data is like limiting it to one to three K a month, because I've heard like, there's these things right in marketing, uh, you know, better than most, like there's just these anecdotes thrown around around like, Oh, this is, you know, that's, that's too little of ad spend or like whatever, like, Mm -hmm. or LinkedIn ads is expensive or whatever. It's like, well, there's a lot of ways to try stuff, right? Like it, dep- it depends on your targeting. It depends. I would imagine there's big differences of uploading your own list to target versus using LinkedIn's native targeting. It depends on your creative. It depends, like you said, on your landing page and the investment of like what people see when they, you know, yeah. actually hit your website. Um, so do you think if someone wanted to do this with under $3,000 or maybe let's say under $5,000 a month, would could they still do an impression based campaign with good effect like would would they get their reach out or would that not be enough to kind of like saturate because that's the other i guess thing that needs to be checked in my hypothesis yeah um you can so funny funny not funny story but just i guess funny thing to call out we'll we'll work with tiny budgets so someone spending 500 a month which i don't I don't like, I don't like doing something like, you're going to pay us more than what you're spending on LinkedIn. It just kind of feels silly to me, but we'll do it. Um, so we'll work with smaller budgets. We spend our own money on LinkedIn. So a lot of what we've kind of learned was us trying to be cheap <laughs> or like not cheap, but like as efficient as possible. Cause it's right, like sure. a dollar out of our wallet, you know, to pay for this every, everyone. Um, but yeah, you can, you can do it. My preference. And I, I'm very careful when I say like, anything should be a standard. Like, like, you know, usually it's, it depends what you want. There's, there's sure. a lot of things that are variable, but more and more, I feel, I feel strongly about using company lists. So using an uploaded list versus using LinkedIn's native targeting pros and cons. Um, but if I use a company list and I say, I only want to target these specific companies, then I can combine that with LinkedIn's native targeting and I can get the relevant personas at those companies. But there's a step beyond that where I get additional data. When I go and I look at the actual insights about how many people from those companies are engaging with my organic posts, how many of them are visiting my website. So you get another layer of data that you can even segment by engagement. So I could run this company list and I could run it, you know, at $1,000 a month for three months. And at the end of three months, I could look back and I could build out a high engagement segment of that group and give those individuals maybe a, another layer of, an, of attention. Because at that point, they're, they're engaging more with my content or they're visiting my website or they're visiting my company page. They're taking these actions that indicate that there's a higher interest. And I could shave off a portion of my budget and maybe build an off-ramp for them to, you know, directly convert. But um, I prefer using those company lists and you can do it. You just need a defined list. Cause what you don't want to do is have a thousand dollar a month budget to try this on. 
have an audience size that's too large. And then every month or every time you're logging in, like it's a different group of people. You're not really saturating that audience. You, you need a you need a, you need a, an audience that you can reach a good chunk of repeatedly. Okay, this is helpful. Yeah. So um is there a number LinkedIn? I'm I'm trying to ask it as a novice and for people who who haven't done this, who are listening. Um, is there a number you would look at or listeners can look at to know how saturate, like how deep into a given market? Like, so in other words, someone's listening to this, they're like, okay, I'm going to try this, you know, before hiring JD, I'm going to go try this on my own. Uh, they take 3k, they go to Apollo.io, they export their list, they upload it. Um, what's, what, what, what are the metrics called to know, uh, you know, that, that they're looking at for like total reach of that list and how would they know, okay, maybe this list is oversaturated versus like, oh, wow. Like we're not even, you know, we're not saturating. Like everyone's probably only yep. consuming our messaging once and we need to like do narrow, more narrow yep. lists. Uh, so good news and bad news. The bad news is there's not really a way to know beforehand. So if you load the list in, you build your campaign objective and you set your budget, LinkedIn will give you a forecast off to the right-hand side that you should never trust. Like I, okay. I just, I just don't, yeah, don't trust it. It's, it's a lie. It's lying to you. Um, or at, at least it's just trying to give you an answer, but I, I, I've very rarely found that to be useful. Good news is you wouldn't have to run it for very long. So what I what I would do if I was doing this for the first time, I would go, I would build my list, I would upload that. Uh, Apollo's great for match rate. I'd upload that. I'd build up my you know persona, uh, my targeting, my audience size is my audience size. My budget is my budget. I would run that campaign for one month, and then I would look at two numbers. I would look at reach, and I would look at frequency. So when you look at your dashboard, you can select your columns. You would look for um, that reach and frequency. I'm forgetting the label that it's under right now. Um, but you would look at that. And if you've reached, let's say, maybe 50% of the audience, so let's say your audience size is you know, 5,000, and you've reached 2,500 of those people, that's pretty good. You've, you've reached a pretty good amount of that, of that group. If your average ad frequency in that group, let's say for this exercise where I want to saturate them, um, let's say your average frequency in that group is four. So on average, 2,500 people or, you know, in that group, see your ad an average of four times. I would, I would say that's a pretty good saturation. That's pretty close to what you would want to see for like a retargeting, a retargeting layer. One other thing to note is you want at least one creative um, for, for the ad frequency. So you want those to match up. Um, you want people to see a variety of content. I don't want to have an ad frequency that's 10 and have two ads in there where they're just seeing the same mm. as I want them to have a nice variety of content that they'll see. Okay. And then are you playing with, with, um, will you use those same two numbers to kind of see which creative seems to be playing better? Or is that just like kind of an algorithmic like roulette? Like that just kind of depends. You can control that. So that's actually what I would recommend. So LinkedIn by default is going to, so when you're, you know, you go through your campaign, you name the campaign, you select the objective and you're doing your targeting. When you go to the next page after that and you're uploading your creative assets, there's a little gear up in the top left next to um, one of the headings 
And if you click on that, you can change it from optimized to performance to rotate ads evenly. And it will just wrote, it'll show the next ad in that sequence. What happens is if you leave it as optimized for performance, LinkedIn's going to do the exact thing I don't want it to do, where it's going to show the same asset that just happened to get engagement on repeat. Mm, I want right. them to see everything. And then at the end of that month, I'll have each, even budget distribution across all of my assets and be able to pick one or find something that people are you know, really interested in. And aha, I have insights I can take to go produce more content that maybe, you know, follows that rabbit hole a little bit or digs in a little bit more. Perfect. No, it makes a ton of sense. So yeah, you're not, the algorithm is going to say, oh, like this, people will happen to like, or like leave a comment on something and the algorithms, and you're not trying to get direct engagement with this campaign. That's the whole point of it. But yeah. the algorithm is going to say, this one's performing better. Let's keep showing it. You're just trying exactly. to say, let's just make sure that everyone sees everything and we'll do kind of manual analysis at the end. Correct. And, and usually at the end of that, you'll have some pretty good insights. There'll be some clear winners and some clear losers. Um, the challenge that you would have is to resist the urge to just kill them too quickly. So you want enough data for it to be statistically significant. Some people that are trying this for the first time, maybe looking at it every day, you know, uh, that's why I got out of the stock market because I was just losing, losing so much money. <laughs> Um, you have to resist the urge to go in and just kill things. You need to let them run their course. And then after maybe that, you know, I, I say a month, it doesn't have to be a month. It depends on what your budget is, but usually it's, you know, like a few hundred dollars I want to spend per asset to really have enough data to say like, okay, clearly this one, like no one really cares about it had a point, you know, zero five, you know, CTR, which is terrible for sponsored content. If you're running that, you should stop it right away. Um, and then this one had, you know, a, a 1.75, like clearly this is a winner. You kind of look at the gap and you can kind of see what people are really interested in. You don't always want to kill everything that isn't performing because it still could be relevant, but there should be some clear, clear winners and, and clear losers. Yeah. I mean, and this ties back really nicely with what you stated in the beginning, which is, you know, we talked about there needs to be, if you're going to do an impression-based campaign or, you know, brand demand creation campaign, whatever people want to call it, there needs to be philosophical uh, belief in like you, like there needs to be adoption of that mindset and that method and that you're not going to measure it or hold it to the same standards. Because it seems to me that in that rotation, there would be some that would get no action because they're the third message consumed of five that it's mm -hmm. rotating through. And the very purpose of them is just like, I can imagine an effective one, like just thinking about ones I've seen recently is like, I'll see like the, like, I think in the LinkedIn post I cited, uh, winter had a good one that for a while they had like two or three pieces of creative that was just like test your messaging before it gets there. That was like the, this is what winter is and does like in one sentence. And you could tell they obviously tested that messaging and practiced it. Um, and yeah. so they led with that. And that was how like that got seared into my mind. But then there may have been like a fourth or fifth piece of creative that was just like showing the logos that Winters works with so that I would know, oh, they work with companies like Databox if I ever wanted to like test their product, right? There's no action I'm going to take on that, but it just served as like a building block to reinforce this picture of them in my mind. So that, you know, when we go to revamp the homepage or whatever, and it's time to test some homepage copy, I'm going to go to winter.com, right? I'm, I'm going to like skip the line. I might go to G2 and see who their competitors are and try one other person, but they're going to skip the line. And it seems like that's 
a huge part of this philosophy is there would just have to be a belief that all these pieces, you as a marketer kind of have to have belief of like, I'm putting together a narrative. Like here's a couple pieces of creative of who we are and what we do in, in one or two sentences. Here's a couple pieces to build trust and you know, who we work for. And here's a couple pieces on results we can get you and pains we can solve you. And then, you know, not all of those are going to perform the same, but that doesn't mean that they're not uh, having an effect on, on the, on, on the attributes people are assigning to your brand. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I would also add one other thing too. Um, if you're trying this and you're trying to do it on a, you know, modest budget, run text ads in parallel with them, run text ads, do it as a website visit campaign. Don't do it as a brand awareness campaign because for brand awareness, you're going to pay for impressions. But if you do it as a website visit, it's going to default to manual bidding which means you only pay for clicks. And because text ads are very obviously ads and they're only available on desktop, um, most people don't click on them. So you end up getting a ton of impressions for no money, like oh, almost wow. no money. Like okay. I, yeah, I get hundreds of thousands of impressions and maybe I'll spend 20 bucks. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, that, that's a great note. My last question, um, would be related to obviously as with all things marketing the answer is it depends but um is there a general time frame for the company that's listening to this and they work with someone like you and they decide okay yeah we do want to like test with a lower spend 3k 5k a month and they believe in the methodology they want to use it to create demand or build brand awareness and they're using self-reported attribution alongside the, you know, sort of the automated attribution tools so they can capture more of those like, um, yeah, hard, hard to capture. Like people will come direct or whatever, but they'll say link, saw your LinkedIn ad or yep. saw you on LinkedIn. Um, do you have like a rough idea that you've seen specifically for an impression-based campaign? What are we talking here for efficacy or for results to start coming in, you know, from the time someone starts consuming your messaging to like, is it three months? Is it six months? Is it a year? Like what, like what would be like a rough range, assuming you've got a product that actually solves a real pain and yep. you did a, you did your homework with your targeting. And at some point in the year there, they decide to move in market and are actively looking for a solution. What would be like a rough time frame that people should not give up before, but maybe should start to question the efficacy after. Yeah. I'd say, um, I would say either three to six months. And I'll, I'll break that down. Why I say that, or maybe half of your typical sales cycle. So if you have, you're selling enterprise software and it's a, you know, 18 month sales cycle, then, you know, you probably want to run that for maybe nine months, but I say at a minimum, at least, at least three or six months at, at three months, I'm looking for proof of life. Like I want to know that this is actually going somewhere. And then I would know that either based on actual conversions that are coming through that are being captured or um, an increase in, let's say, conversion behavior. So I have people that are coming to my book a demo page or my pricing page, or there's like a noticeable increase in this. You know, Maybe it's not quite there yet, but I'm noticing that. And then by six months, I would want to have a trend established where conversions are being produced at or moving towards a amount that would allow it to be sustainable. It could be that I'm willing to pay $500 for a demo. Um, and then by month three, you know, after everything I've spent, maybe my first demo cost me 15K. 
Um, but you know, my next one costs me after the next ad spend 8K and it starts to kind of average down and there should be a trend that starts to form. Because okay. with anything with marketing, and I, I always kind of come back to this, I just try to do what makes sense. You know, hopefully we can track it or hopefully we can get some things in place. We can always, but ho hopefully we can do some of those things, but just do what makes sense to do. Get in front of your prospects where they're at, share content that they'll care about, talk about the things that you can actually help them do. And if you do those things consistently and have some strategy behind it, like you'll get an output that you, that's favorable. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'd say, yeah, I'd say th three to six months should be a, a, a minimum in, in my, my opinion. Okay. JD, this has been awesome. Uh, I feel like I'm so grateful for all the specifics you dove into. It's been like, in my mind, really practical, easy to apply for people. Thank you for being willing to come on. And for anyone who's listening, uh, if you are interested in the benchmark data, there's a link in the show notes, but also we will link to JD's uh, LinkedIn profile. So if you're interested in working with him, following, you know, you share a lot of uh, insights like this on LinkedIn. Yep. So um, people can go follow you there. Uh, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for being willing to come on. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jeremiah. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.